Hello, everyone. Jim Stroud here. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get my podcast off the ground, I had a, mm, quite a few questions. Like, how do I record an episode? How do I get my show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, all those other places people like to listen? But most importantly, the question I had was, <laughs> how do I make money from my podcast? Well, it turns out the answer to every one of those questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free, <laughs> my favorite price, and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors too, so you can get paid to podcast. So, if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm start. That's Anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M slash S-T-A-R-T. Anchor dot F-M slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor to podcast and make money. That's Anchor dot F-M slash start. Do it now. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Hey guys, I'm thinking of doing a podcast where I interview interesting people about the future of work, life, and everything in between. Not sure how I would put that together. Maybe it would be, I don't know, something like this. Hello everyone, thank you for listening to the Jim Stroud Podcast. This is a special edition dedicated to interviews. This is my very first interview episode. I don't know if I'll do more interview episodes. It all depends on you, so... Let me know what you think of this special episode by sending me an email, reaching out to me through my website, jimstroud.com. I want to hear from you. I am a, a slave to my subscribers. <laughs> so uh, today's guest in my first ever interview show is a very special guest. It's Dr. Tracy Weiland, who is a researcher and speaker on the impact of technology on society, work, and career. She's a former visiting scholar at Stanford University, where she's held a Leadership position, um, also at Apple, HP, Cisco Systems. She was an adjunct professor for Bay Area Colleges, teaching classes in business, technology, and women's workforce topics. And Dr. Wallen was named San Francisco Woman of the Year and honored by the San Francisco Business Times as the most influential woman in Bay Area business. She's also a finalist for the 2018 Woman Advocate of the Year for Women in Technology. I think as I read this, I should have had the theme to Wonder Woman playing in the background. Maybe we'll fix that in post-production. Uh, now, the reason why I wanted her on the podcast today is because she has authored uh, many books, 13 to be specific, and her newest book is Career Confusion, 21st Century Career Management in a Disrupted World, which is a companion book to Digital Disruption, the Future of Work, Skills, Leadership, Education, and Careers in a Digital World, available for order, by the way, on Amazon and Barnes & Noble website. There will be links to those books uh, in the podcast description. Before I actually formally have her on, uh, I wanted to just sort of thank her in advance for being on the show. The first time I met Dr. Tracy was, I want to say, I don't know, almost a decade ago. I don't know if it was quite a decade ago, but it was some time ago. She was speaking at a Society of Human Resource Management meeting in Atlanta talking about the future of work. And she introduced me to the concept of robots and automation taking over. She showed examples of, I think it was a factory in China or somewhere where uh, everything was so automated that there were no people there. And I remember listening to her talk and going, wow, that is amazing. I don't know if that will actually happen in real life. It sounded 
kind of kind of out there to me, but of course, as you know, nowadays it's it's not shocking. It's it's reality. So uh, since that time, she's opened my eyes to a lot of futuristic thought, and I've been sort of looking at the future of things, I think, off and on ever since then. So thank you, Dr. Tracy, for that. If you would, please say hello. Oh, thank you very much, and thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was a mouthful for me. <laughs> oh, it was wonderful meeting you. I do remember our, our time together. It was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So... Uh, Regarding your book, Career uh, Confusion, why is there career confusion these days, you think? Well, you know, Jim, there's so many reasons why there's career confusion today, but I'll give you some of the big ones that stick out in my mind. Uh, one, of course, mm. is technology. Um, you know, I think a lot of us are getting very confused at some of the newest technologies, artificial intelligence, machine learning, Internet of Things, because they're technologies that we can't really touch and feel anymore. You know, we went from hardware to mm. software to digital. So that's a big one that's just confusing people and how are they relevant. The second one is the firm structure. You know, a lot of us were groomed to work in hierarchical firms, and now firms are trying to be more agile and global, and they're flattening out. And that creates a lot of confusion about what's my career and what's the career path for me in these new kinds of firms that are flattening. The third area is skills. used to be either needed hard skills or soft skills or technical skills, and today firms are saying, you know, you need all three. You have to understand the hard skills, the soft skills, and be technically savvy. That's very hard. It's very different than in the past. And the fourth one, which you and I have talked about often, is just the fact that we're living longer. And this new reality for people, researchers say, ah, you can live to 100, 115, means I'm going to have to work 50, 60, 70 years so that's going to be many, many jobs and potential career moves in my life, and I haven't been equipped for that. And now I have to start thinking about controlling my own career path, and that's different, and that's hard for people. Most definitely. I've seen some of the dynamic play uh, in front of my eyes in, in the workplace, how you'll have um, the older generation who don't want to give up with their jobs because they're used to doing things a certain way, and, and they're being forced to learn new things. And then on the flip side, you have these millennials who want to take on more leadership roles uh, and move up the ladder, so to speak, but they have to compete with people who have been there for years and don't want to necessarily give them room because then their career and their livelihood is endangered there as well. So it's really interesting to sort of see that, you know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that comes up all the time about how we have our very seasoned employees uh, who may not be as agile with technology. And then we have our younger employees who have really good role models. If you think about it, they're seeing young people like the Zuckerbergs and Marissa Myers or, you know, the, the CEOs of Twitter and a lot of these startups at a very young age accomplishing big things. So, of course, in their mind, they're saying, well, why can't I do that as well? And so I think it's really important that we keep our eyes open on how do we make everyone's you know, actualize their contribution. And a lot of times it could be through training and reskilling for some, grooming for others, maybe it's cross-functional teams and peer mentoring, but there's a lot of ways that we can sort of meld all of the skills and contributions of all the generations. A very good point. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, someone who's listening to this, they may be thinking, okay, with all this technology and all these changes that are going on, how can I figure out my career path when it's changing so much? Well, one is, you know, I always say to people, do, you know, what you like to do, uh, mm. that you do well, 
and well enough to get paid or promoted for it, right? So there's a lot of things that people say, I want to follow my passion. That's great, but let's make sure that what your passion is is something that you actually do very well, and it's something that the market will pay for or your company Mm. will promote you for. Uh, If we get lost in our hobbies and dreams, uh, the reality is, is that we're not contributing to ourselves, our revenue stream. So I think that's really important for people to have that come to Jesus meeting with themselves. Number two is saleable skills. You know, something that are, are valuable. So, for example, you know, you're in the recruiting industry. That's a very good skill because companies will always need recruiters. And then you also have a scarce skill, which is you have an incredible brand around that you've wrapped around this function of recruiting, which sets you apart. And so this is, you know, a model that I think people have to start to follow is, what is my skill that's different from someone who might look identical to me on the resume? And also, how can I add in something scarce and unique so that I bubble up to the top? So I think these are important things for people to remember. Very cool, very cool. Uh, I'm thinking of a friend of mine. Uh, his name is Jerry Crispin. Uh, I don't know if you, if you know him, but uh, he's definitely known in a lot of HR circles. And one thing that he uh, introduced himself as, or at least he did to me initially when we first met, he introduced himself uh, himself to me as a lifelong student. Uh, so he has, like, the mindset of he's always trying to learn something new and advance himself, advance his career. And I think that's the kind of mindset people have to have. Again, to your early point, people living longer, uh, new technologies coming all the time. I think we have to get into this mindset where we always have to constantly learn new stuff, and I think that is scary for some people. Um, uh, what would you tell someone who may feel stuck, you know, maybe intimidated by that, they just don't know what they want to do? Yeah, so to your point on lifelong learning, I absolutely agree, and I think a lot of us, a lot of people were, were groomed to think that once you got out of high school or college, it was one-stop shop, it's over, and mm. that reality is that the world's moving too fast, it's too competitive. Um, so we have to keep learning. But if you are stuck, and a lot of people say, I am stuck, and I just wrote a blog about this, and I said, stop the noise, okay? So mm. a lot of us scramble and look everywhere. So first off, figure out what you don't want to do. If you can't figure out what you do want to do, figure out what you don't want to do. So eliminate stuff like, I want to work with my hands and not work in an office. I want to work in an environment with people. I don't want to be remote. You know, I care for people and I like the health field, but I don't want to work with blood. So, you know, these are things that you can easily, you know, reduce the list quickly. I think it's really important about proximity. You know, knowing, you know, the thought of traveling is very exciting for people Some people Mm. contemplate, oh, can I relocate? But if you have family and friends or obligations in your community, you need to think twice about that before even applying for heavy travel jobs or jobs that actually relocate you. Um, And then the same thing with commuting. You know, a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I can drive two hours a day each way to this spectacular job. And you know what? That gets really old. So sometimes I just say draw a circle around how far you're willing to commute before you get so fatigued that you'll just drop off the job. Um, And Mm. qualifications, that's a big one Mm -hmm. for me. A lot Mm -hmm. of people have jobs that they want to do, but more realistically, just look at what you can do today. Get that job, and then when you're in that job, start figuring out how you can build up the skills and capabilities for the jobs you want tomorrow. Because if you're applying for jobs that you don't have the skills for, there's already hundreds of people who do have the skills applying for the same one. 
And vibe. I think it's important to understand the vibe of a firm. Um, you know, and you can easily do that with social media today. Understand, you know, like government agencies have more protocols. They move a little slower. Startups are very frenetic. Um, so each industry has its own kind of vibe, and you have to figure out, can I work in that or or not? Very good advice. Very good advice. And, and I want to sort of hover on this theme, I think, we're spreading across um, of older workers, people who are more mature, who, uh, again, may be intimidated by all the changes going on. If you could give a few pointers on how someone could approach a job if they are a bit older, I guess, and I'm defining older as being older than, I don't know, 40, maybe? Yeah, so we, every industry has its different definition. You know, tis the season, yeah. for the season, I say, it could be 40 plus, it could be 50 plus. Um, every industry has a cutoff date. Here, Here's the thing is, when you're becoming more seasoned, start to look for alignment with organizations that are age appropriate, right? So I have a lot of colleagues of mine who are working in their 60s, 70s, and 80s. And they will tell you, you know, here's here's the rule of thumb. Look at, like, government jobs, public sector, academia, education, the arts, non-profit, private equity, health care, and consulting. These are all areas where people who have more years are actually valued. Um, and you will see mm. more people of your age group in in your um, in these industries. I also have a lot of people say that just recast your skills. There's something called uh, the uh, fractional work today, the fractional executive. A colleague of mine was a CFO for a large firm uh, and unfortunately went through a transition and has recast himself as a fractional executive, a chief financial officer that can do part-time work for different companies that can't afford to have a chief financial officer. And so he basically has a portfolio career now of about four or five firms where he does either everything from accounting to setting up their industry to to being um, a controller or a CFO. So I think it's recasting some of your great skills. Um, a lot of colleagues of mine are also contemplating franchising, uh, self-employment. They want to run their own business, but they don't know what mm. business it is. Um, so I would say just look carefully at the investment requirements, what kind of hours, you know, a lot of us dream about having a food or something or an inn, uh, but that's a lot of heavy lifting and a lot of long hours and, of course, weekends and nights. So you need to think about that, but, you know, a lot of people in their 50-plus look at look at franchising. And then finally, sales. I have colleagues of mine uh, actually in their 70s now who are sales because they always make their quota. So they said, if you always make your quota, why would I ever not be in sales? So it doesn't matter what age you are. It makes What's important is you bring in bring in the, the money. So those are just some of the things that uh, people are doing today as they reach, you know, the next phase of their career. Interesting, interesting. I'll, I'll throw one more log on this fire. Uh, there is a uh, a resource, a government resource called ONET, and I'll link to it in the podcast description. But what makes ONET so inter- interesting to this conversation is that you can uh, input a job title, let's say administrative assistant, for example, and it will give you a list of other jobs that use the same skills that administrative assistant would use. So I might put an administrative assistant and make, uh, bring back a job title like event planner, citing that the things that event planner does uh, 
same thing that or have the same skills that administrative assistant would have or project manager and, and so forth and so on. So maybe one more thing people can consider is that I've always been um, an admin, but let me put that title in. I say, oh, event planner. Okay, I haven't thought about uh, careers as an event planner, but I have all of the same skills or many of the same skills. Why don't, why don't I just retool what I already have in that arena? That's excellent that advice. Excellent yeah, advice. Yep. Cool, cool, cool. So uh, another question, too, uh, is my long list of questions I want to ask you. Um, a lot of the jobs that are forming uh, or will be um, uh, required maybe in like five years from now or so, they don't exist today. I'm thinking, for example, uh, Steve Jobs with the iPhone. You know, before the iPhone came along, uh, no one that, that wasn't an industry. So, but when the iPhone um, was invented, a whole new industry was created. Whole new jobs were created. I'm thinking also about Netflix with the streaming video, put Blockbuster out of business. Netflix online, boom, a whole new technology, streaming technology, a whole new set of jobs. How does someone prepare for jobs like that? Jobs that haven't even been invented yet. Yeah, so, you know, uh, a lot of parents ask me that, so I always encourage them to make sure that your kids get the fundamentals in school, and math is big today. Math helps uh, solve a lot of problems, so, um, and I know it's hard, but uh, you can go a long way if you really focus on your math skills, uh, even because it opens a lot of doors. Um, if mm. you're in a job, what I encourage people to do is start watching the trends in your own industry. So, for example, manufacturing, you know, moved into robotics, now smart machine learning and artificial intelligence and 3D printing. So while you're in your job, you can expand your skills and learn about and get trained in these new industries so that you can become part of the, the movement, so to speak. But also... Mm. Watch watch the news. You see big trends out there, autonomous cars, right? I mean, that's been mm. in the news. There's over 360 players now partnering in autonomous cars, and it's not just about engineering. It's, it's impacting the auto industry, opening up uh, different kinds of skill requirements and job requirements, roads, lawyers. <clears throat> you think about the impact. It's like a whole new platform. Another one is entertainment, right? You just mentioned it. You know, it's Amazon's in entertainment, Netflix is in entertainment, Hulu's in mm. entertainment. Anyone really can be a producer, uh, an actor, I guess, uh, a director or creator of content today and get into the entertainment business because it's totally transformed. So I say, like, watch the trends. And then while you're working, look at your own functional area or industry and see what you can learn. And vendors are great, by the way, at teaching us about technology because they'll come in and help you understand the new technologies um, and where they're going so that you can get a little bit ahead of the curve. I also think that while you're working, of course, to cross-functional teams, um, ask for internal rotations and unique high-visible projects so that you can get involved with things from the from the ground level. Very cool. I'll add one more law to that fire as well. Uh, we are in December, the end of the year, and around the end of the year, it's definitely by the first of the, of the next year, there's always a uh, slew of articles about predictions of what's going to happen in, in the next year. So if someone were to do a search on, say, healthcare trends for 2019, uh, they'll see a lot of articles where people are um, uh, uh, guessing what will happen in the year um, in that particular industry. 
So I would suggest that people look up whatever industry they're in uh, on Google. Uh, let's say it's healthcare. Add the word trends to it uh, or predictions, uh, maybe healthcare predictions for 2019 and see what all the uh, gurus in the space are predicting for the new year and maybe that could help uh, you figure out the next step in, in your career. So. Excellent. Oh, yeah. Really good. Yeah, thank you. Well, uh, we are about out of time, and this has truly been a pleasure. I knew this would be a, a good interview, which is why I wanted to be my very first one in my interview series. Um, I am going to link to your books in the podcast description, but if somebody wants to reach you uh, personally and connect with you about uh, your books or any other topic, uh, how can they reach you? Oh, thank you very much. So my website is tracywyland.com, which is T-R-A-C-E-Y. W-I-L-E-N dot com. I'm on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook at Tracy Weiland, and the books are on Amazon.com. Thank you. Cool beans. Thank you so much. Happy holidays. So that was it, the very first episode of Future Talk, a podcast dedicated to the future of everything. Should I do more? Is one enough? <laughs> Let me know your thoughts. I'm eager to hear from you. Reach out to me at www.jimstroud.com. That's www.jimstroud.com. And while you're there, uh, subscribe to my blog so you don't miss out on other podcasts, articles, and whatever else I have cooking these days. Okay? Cool. Until next time, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Ever heard of Stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of Stoicism with a lowercase s and not Stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it.